truth of what happens is, as children grow up, we start to educate them progressively from the waist up. And then we focus on their heads, and slightly to one side. I think in the old days, you know, you were better off. Because nowadays, they're all specialists. Everyone's becoming better and better, and less and less. And eventually, someone's going to be superb and nothing. Our education system has mined our minds in the way that we strip-mined the earth for a particular commodity. And for the future, it won't serve us. We have to rethink the fundamental principles on which we're educating our children. We're not here to tell everybody that they're wrong and we're right. We're not saying that we have all the answers, but um, we'd like to present a different way of looking at it. Hello, listeners, and welcome to China Education. This is episode number 29. My name is Navid Rastigar, and I am a former teacher, business owner, and entrepreneur in Zhuhai, China. And I first like to ask you the question, although you're a former teacher, now doing your entrepreneurial stuff, would you say you're still in some way teaching? I think teaching gave me a lot of insight into a lot of things. And I think especially in China and, and how important of a role education plays here uh, for parents and, and children. Um, I think that I, I really took a lot from that and, and applied it to some of my, my business ventures and, and uh, ideas, really. I think many listeners might be saying, why on earth uh, do we have Naveed on the China Education series when he's now an entrepreneur and businessman? Maybe it would go in another series. But Good the question. reason, the reason <laughs> listeners, why I want to have Naveed uh, on this series, because it is very focused in a way on education. The reason is, although you are now a former teacher, I want to sprinkle on top what you're doing entrepreneurially, which is basically you've opened up um, a set of what I call cafe restaurant type operations within schools, uh, which I think is really unique and uh, pretty cool. So, yeah, can you just explain exactly what your main entrepreneurial pursuit is and how that's connected into the school realm? Oh, sure. Yeah, I guess uh, I guess that does tie into school and education a bit. Mm. Um, so uh, actually, it wasn't something I was actively looking for. It happened a, a few years ago. And mm. uh, one of the local schools here, Dulwich uh, College, mm. was uh, looking for a cafe or some sort of local business that that served coffee and had Western style foods and snacks to come onto their campus and provide uh, service to their teachers mm -hmm. and students. I think the initial expectation was mostly to help the teachers who were there to kind of feel comfortable and have foods and drinks that they could access easily and that they liked while they were here in China. I see. So not just your cup of green tea, uh, maybe your mian bao in the morning, but actually a, a selection of stuff that they would normally find if they were teaching back home, right? Right, right. I think especially for, for the new teachers that come to China, one of the biggest adjustments is kind of to the cuisine and <laughs> what's available. So I think that we were, uh, we were kind of the right fit to, to provide them with, with something that they enjoyed. And, and I think actually what it turned into was something that the students and the teachers really kind mm. of responded well to. So yeah. we, we've been doing it for uh, we're on our sixth year now. I mean, let, we'll come back to that 
um, a bit later. I want to now just track back because the first question I always like to ask, and I didn't today, is what actually brought you to China in the first place? Was it teaching? Uh, that's kind of the uh, kind of the question you get asked a lot, and I think that um, does that mean you don't want to answer it? <laughs> no, no. I, I just think that I I don't like to give standard answers mm. to things, really, because I think that it's it's, yeah, yeah. it's multi it's you know multi leveled really. But I think that ultimately, um, no, it wasn't education that brought us here. It's education that opened the door for us to be here. There's such a high demand yeah, for yeah. teachers, and and um, as long as you're you're educated and and you have uh, like a bachelor's degree, and especially if you come from a, a country whose passport is, is mm. such as America or England, whose passport is an English-speaking passport, it's quite easy to find work. And uh, those doors opened up, and um, Sana, my wife, and I, we were traveling after we got married, and we somehow stopped here in Zhuhai, and uh, we knew we wanted to live abroad, we wanted to experience life uh, outside of the States. And one of our core beliefs in life is that that the Earth is really just kind of one country and and you should feel at home anywhere you go. And it's easy to say that, mm. but it's not so easy to apply that to your life. So mm. we wanted to get out of our comfort zone. There were lots of opportunities here in China. And we said, hey, let's give it a year. And um, here we are 10 years later. Yeah, and a wonderful story it's been. And uh, I guess you slipped when that door opened and you came to Juhai first. You slipped into a teaching job, teaching. What What were you doing? I was teaching kindergarten. E. High energy job, yeah. And and is that something that you could have seen yourself? Had you ever done it before, um, kindergarten, before you came to China? I had minimal experience with teaching kids various kind of um, volunteer work to, yeah. to work with children never in a professional setting never in a school and especially never kids that young <laughs> and you enjoyed it i think there were there were times that it was really challenging especially at first um we kind of just felt like we got thrown into the deep end a little bit not a lot of all right you can teach these things i mean it was kind of like here are your students this is your classroom from this time to this time you should provide them with an English lesson, go. <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny, sorry to break in there, because just a thought that came to me. In China, that is kind of the way it is for staff, adult staff, generally. And lots, I've heard this story before, they just chuck you in the deep end. And some would say, it's actually one of the best ways to learn. Just jump in, get wet, and you'll work out how to not drown. Um, and in the process, at some point, enjoy it um, and develop your strokes. But if you actually look at the school setting in China, they never, they don't do that with children. I mean, it's very much, so much scaffolding um, in a class. So it's, it's funny how within the same organization, you would have such lack of structure and a kind of step-by-step -step development to bring, say, someone like yourself in. But then in the classroom, completely different. I, don't you find that quite polarized? I never thought of it that way. Neither have I, it just came, came uh, <laughs> But I think that I think there's a, there's a method to the madness a little bit. I'd like to believe that, and I think that yeah. um, this concept of um, uh, what is it called the immersion, the, the immersion experience where you learn something uh, such as a language, the best when you're just you you've got no choice mm. but to to speak it and learn it. And I think that this concept was really really popular, especially when we got here. 
that the best way to learn English was for a teacher that couldn't even speak Chinese. Yeah. Was put with the students and and they they got lessons. And I think it worked to a degree. I think、uh, some some more organization probably would have been beneficial for both the the teachers and the students. But in the end, I, I truly believe that that my students did learn.、Uh, they they some of them came from not even being able to say hello to、mm. by the end of the year, being able to have a basic conversation, knowing the basic vocabulary of things that you see daily: numbers, fruits, things like that.、Um, so I, I think that perhaps they even thought about this. Perhaps they said, "Hey, it doesn't matter that we're not getting teachers who have." Decades of experience teaching language. Let's just get energetic young people who are educated and are willing to give it a try, and we'll put them in this classroom and they'll figure it out. And、uh, I think that's what happened to us. Yeah, I wonder if that was the plan. I wonder if, like you said, there was a method to the madness.、Um, but anyway, you got chucked in the water and you learned how to swim and not drown, as most of us still speaking have done.、Um, But I want to go back a bit further. You've come from California. That's right. Yeah,、uh, so beautiful part of the world,、um, of course. You've been here more than ten years. You've just said. Yeah, we're on our tenth year. Go back to California. Let's talk about your education.、Uh, sure. Where did you grow up? Going to school? Did you have quite, you know, like a normal, conventional? I think so. I think most people,、um, especially from California, I think ninety something percent of the the kids there and the students there go to a public school.、Mm. And I guess I was lucky enough to go to a really good school district、um, in Southern California. Not inside, the, I was near the LA area, but not in Los Angeles itself, and、okay. uh, in a suburb. And I think pretty standard, yeah. Yeah, and after schooling, you went all. The, did you go to university? Yes, University Where, of Southern California. Okay, and what did you do there? What did you study? I studied international relations with an emphasis on business. Ah, yeah. So that has been useful, I'm sure. Actually, yeah I, yeah, I had to take a mandatory two years of a language, and I did choose Chinese. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, yeah.、Oh, that's why your Chinese is so good. <laughs> I don't know about that, but yeah. It can. I mean, it can certainly. It, you know, looking back at myself, and I'm sure people listening who are in China now, who did a degree, I did a degree in genetics and management.、Um, I wish, in a way, if I knew I was going to be in China, that I'd have done something with a Chinese emphasis. It would have helped, yeah,、um, for sure. It, it wouldn't have hindered. So, when we think about schooling, did you ever have a really good teacher that kind of really inspired you? That You know, if I say to you now, "What's your favorite teacher?" would pop out. I would say that there were teachers who definitely made an impact, but for me to say, "Hey, this one teacher was my favorite teacher," no, nothing jumps out at me. I was, I was quite into sports as a, as a、mm-hmm. younger guy, and kind of,、um, especially in high school and things, my priority was always my sports, and then education kind of was a. a On the back burner, usually I made sure I I learned and got through it, but it wasn't at the forefront of my thought. And I think that, looking back at it, I wish I focused a bit more, like most of us probably. But、um, yeah, I, th- I think lots of teachers made a positive impact, but I can't say that one really stood out and was the teacher that kind of moved me in in my schooling years. Okay, so a lot of them helped you develop in in different ways, yeah. Sure. Yeah.、Mm. Now、um, on the sports front, because that's a good one, I think, to go into now.、Uh, you like a bit of running, don't you? 
Yeah, I like to run, yeah. So. And uh, you had an injury much like mine, right? You snapped your ACL, right? Yeah, ACL and the uh, the meniscus tear. Which yeah. is probably completely gone like mine now. What, what knee is it? Your Right knee. Right, okay, yeah. mine's my left. And of course, most people would, like the doctor said to me, I shouldn't play football, soccer anymore. And, yes. you know, I do on a regular basis, but not too hard. Right. And then um, I'm sure your doctor would have said you really shouldn't do too much sport anymore. Or what? Yeah, I mean, you, you probably feel that, felt the same way when you kind of got the prognosis. that in the early 30s or something, yeah. Yeah, I was in my mid-20s when it yeah. first started happening. And, and basically, um, after two surgeries, I saw some of the top specialists in Los Angeles. And the one, uh, you know, I kind of paid, paid a lot to see this doctor mm, yeah. and, and didn't really help me much. And he basically kind of told me, hey, you, you really shouldn't do any sort of running or, or, or high impact sports anymore. But, you know, I, I, I felt okay. And I, I started sports up again. And, and uh, still my knees functioning fairly well, as long as I, uh, I don't do any hard left or right turns. Right. Okay. Well, I mean, you certainly are doing a lot of hard running. And I mean, like, how many marathons do you do a year? It's great. Whenever I kind of bump into you, you're training for the next one and then the next one. Oh, uh, well, I, I, I did a couple marathons last year, but I'm more into triathlons, so I actually have one the day after tomorrow. So. You've moved in. Oh, day after tomorrow? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, or what? no, Sunday, sorry. Uh, Sunday. Where's this one? In... It's in Shanghai. Shanghai. Yes. So, um, no, the researchers are right. Do you have to wear a mask for that, uh, for the pollution, or is it okay? Shanghai, I think, actually, it's outside of Shanghai City. shouldn't be too bad. It shouldn't be too bad. Shouldn't a bit, bit more bad. greenery and, 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 right. and, and less cars and, and things like that, less smokers around. Um, but I think it's amazing what you do running-wise, especially with, obviously, the circumstances around your knee. Um, but what is it, you know, I just want to get into your head because there's lots of people like you that really... I, I hate running, personally. Mm-hmm. Um, you end up always where you began, uh, in a way. Um, like the race that you do in Shanghai, do you run and then come back to where you started? Um, usually races are in sort of a loop. So they you are do in a loop, it. yeah. yeah. Um, but I guess it's good for reflection coming back round again, isn't it? I, I, do, I do not like to actually, I know a lot of people will just go kind of up and down, for example. I, I re, when I go for runs, I do prefer to not run along the same path twice. Yeah, right. So yeah. I'll take a certain route where, uh, route that I'll end up back where I started, but not cover the same ground again, if possible, if you know what I mean. But what's the, what's the, you know, because people teach for various reasons. They love kids, or, you know, th- things like that. Um, or they love the, 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 the ability to create and do different things with standards and stuff like this. Sure. But in terms of your sport, you're running, because you, these triathlons, which, you know, it's more than a marathon. It's, you're doing three different things, aren't right, you? Swimming, right. you're running and cycling. What, 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 what is it? Is it? Is it kind of a way to get away? Because um, it's really a solo thing, isn't it? It's a mental thing. It is. It's very, it's very mental. I think that, for me, my motivation is, is multifaceted. It's, it's very meditative. Mm. Um, it's not actually about the race, even though I'm going to a race. It's kind of about the... the the journey to get to that race, the right. training that takes place, the, the self-discipline, the, the healthy living, the diet, mm. um, those things kind of all play into it. And I think in the end, the, the race itself is like the cherry on top. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for me, it's really a, just to stay healthy and to keep me motivated and keeps me feeling good. So that's kind of why I do it. I mean, your father, like me, of 
three children. Yes. So I, I can imagine your house can be quite, how should we say, uh, <laughs> not so calm uh, a lot of the time. Yeah, you know a thing or two about uh, that. I right? mean, but you're, I mean, people will say, well, for triathlons and marathons, you've got to practice a lot. Like anything, like learning a language, you've got to practice a lot. And, and so where do you get that time to, to do it? Um, yeah, I kind of tap into my sleep a little bit. I okay. think that I, I think right now most of my training is done at night, so the the kids will go to bed, mm -hmm. and then uh, I'll get to it and I'll do minimum an hour, sometimes up to three hours of training at night. Um, and you know, I think that that you have to try to squeeze it in somehow. Um, if I have a long lunch break or something, I'll go for a swim. Mm -hmm. um, I think. In the future, actually, my New Year's resolution that I've told myself just uh, last weekend mm -hmm. was I need to switch to become a morning person. I've never been a morning person. My whole life, I've been a night person. But I really want to be able to get up early in the morning and, uh, and start to do my training then. Well, I have a tip for you. If you want to be a morning person, try to go to bed early. It's the most easiest tip um, going uh, now. But that would really uh, help you, I think. Right, yeah, right. Of course, if you're training in the night, I can see how that can be... Um, how it can be difficult but in a way you know training in the night there's not many people outside it must be quite nice it actually the nice. air's probably better it is it's quiet uh, it's nice yeah it's not hot and you know where we live in china it's quite hot so even in the morning it can be hot with the sun out so yeah i yeah. think part of the reason is also the temperature yeah. when you came to china all those years ago and the door opened for teaching were you doing running and stuff then was that so we had just gotten married in May, and we had moved to China in end of August. So we were kind of still in honeymoon phase and wasn't in the you know exercise and health phase. Mm -hmm. I think that when we first got here, it was a big adjustment to life in China and to teaching. And by the end of a school day, we came home pretty wrecked. So we just wanted to sit on the couch and kind of uh, re relax and, and go to bed. But I think that that changed and now China is our home and we feel very comfortable. So I'm able to stay up later and have more energy. So do you think it was the kindergarten teaching that pushed you into wanting to run away from everything? <laughs> well, I think, you know, going into teaching kindergarten, I, I knew that it wasn't going to be something I did for 20 years. I think that it was wonderful and I gave yeah. it my all when I was doing it. Yeah. I wanted to be valuable to the school and to the students. I honestly did. Um, but I knew I didn't want to do it for much longer. Yeah. So that's kind of what led to to starting a business. And, and now I'm really happy that the business somehow still falls within, within, the, edu within yeah. the education world. And I'm around kids and students because I do enjoy it. And, that, and that's what I, what I think interest, what's interesting about this. Because I think there's people listening now that are teaching probably not. They don't feel that they want to teach forever. And of course, China being like a developing country, a land of opportunity in a sense for many things are probably thinking and talking and planning about, oh, I want to do this next year. And I've met someone who has this and we can do this together. Right. So, and of course, this is what you were doing as a kindergarten teacher. Where did the idea of wanting to open a, you know, a food and, and beverage uh, service uh, come in? Were you in it? Were you literally teaching kindergarten or you were doing a plan or something like that? How did it come about? Uh, you know, How did the creation happen? Well, yeah, it, our, our, my business is called Creation. And actually, I think it kind of just uh, kind of can't say one moment was an aha moment. There mm -hmm. was it was a lot of development as most places in China when we were coming here. And 
uh, were, for example, when we first came to, to Juhai and opened our business and started selling salads, I think that was like one place in the entire city of Juhai, other than us, mm-hmm. that sold a salad. You know, it was, yeah. it was a marvel. Who, who eats raw vegetables? Yeah, I mean, TCM, that, not good for you. Yeah. Right, right. So, um, so we just kind of saw a need. Um, and said, hey, there's not a lot of authentic Western food, and and uh, there was lots of development in terms of property and, and commercial areas opening up. So we said, hey, these, these new malls, they look great. Mm-hmm. Something yeah. like this could do well. So uh, luckily, the investment compared to the states is significantly lower in terms of how much money you got to put in to make it happen. So so we were able to 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 make it happen. And, Do you think and that's still the case just, you know, now? Because this is quite some years ago and you did the first place, wasn't it? Yes. Would you say that that's it's still a, out? It's still a fraction of the cost. Okay, right, yeah. Especially things like um, construction. Like you want to, to you want to rent a, a property and make it into a restaurant or some sort of business. It, yeah. Just the, the, they call it decoration. Mm-hmm. The decoration in China is is significantly cheaper. I mean, every new place in China, a place opens, they'll put this massive water fountain out there yeah. with a stone lion and a lot of money. And then you go past there three months later and it's a completely different place. They've taken the stone lion and the thing out of something else. I've never so, understood that. I mean, it costs, you know, a, for me, it, barely we were able to do it. And... Um, and I can't imagine people just open these businesses and, like you said, three months later, yeah. you're like, hey, what happened to that huge restaurant that just opened and they're gone? I don't know. I think that maybe well, there's something more to it. In England, we say we do a business, you give it three years. And if you're above the line in three years, right. then you're doing something. If you're not, then time to pack up. But, I mean, here it's a totally different way. Of... Maybe they think three months. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah. Maybe when they misheard the... No, 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 or we misheard. Um, but yeah, so now if you had this idea, you wanted to put together... It, it was based around... Because, I mean, tell us what, what you sell in there, because it's, it's a great, colourful menu. Uh, so creation actually has, has uh, really changed over time. Actually, it really started with a focus on desserts, things like oh. cupcakes, mm. cookies, ice cream, coffees, teas... Um, but we realized actually, and probably in, not quick enough, but we realized that, that Chinese people don't really love uh, sweets that much, honestly. And coffee something new. And cupcakes, which was our main focus, doesn't have the nostalgia that it has in the West. So we said, hey, if we're going to survive here, we need to add something. Mm-hmm. So we added salads and sandwiches and, and pizzas. Which again, uh, wouldn't you wouldn't think is rather nostalgic in the Chinese culture, salad for obvious reasons. Um, what was the other one? Sandwiches. Right. I mean, again, right. very... And pizza, I mean, well, yeah. But, of course, kids tend to love right. anything sweet, right? Right. Um, and they, they get the whole, can I call it Americanism? Uh, <laughs> spreading. But you opened a place near a cinema yep. um, in this new complex, actually quite near the kindergarten where you first That's worked. That's right, 200 uh, metres away. And then, as far as I'm concerned, you know, you... It's hard work. I mean, it was, it's harder than kindergarten, isn't it? Running a, a, a you know, restaurant. I think um, the food business in particular is probably the, one of the hardest businesses to oh, run because yeah. there's, so many, there's so many angles to it. Not mm-hmm. just, okay, you can't just open a beautiful place and make, make money suddenly mm-hmm. or be, be successful. Either you have to maintain quality and service and 
you have to deal with customers and it's, it's really actually quite hard, hard work. So, um, so yeah, it was tough in the beginning, especially. So when you first started to now, just, you've got a couple of creations in a couple of schools, right? You've got one in an American international school, you've got one in a British international school, and you've also had some on the high street where you first started, but that's kind of, you've now morphed into just staying in the schools, right? Yeah, I think that, you know, I, I think that I've tapered back a little bit in my, my ambitions for creation. Right. I think that, um, especially in Juhai, kind of the, the city got flooded with, with lots of um, coffee shops and bakery, and those bakeries. Sweet bakery. And e- actually now it's really amazing if you, uh, like back to the salads, if you type in salad yeah, on, on Meituan, there's tons of options yeah. and, and some of them are pretty good. So, um, so I think that uh, when, I, when I kind of described myself, I didn't just say, hey, I'm a restaurant owner. I, I, I'm looking at other opportunities yeah. as well. Right now, Creation and in the schools is doing well and we're, we're happy to be part of them. But who knows? I mean, if we'll still be doing it in five years from now, I hope so. Well, I, I think it's very innovative and it's kind of like, as you said, you fell into it really, right? As a lot of, you know, successes do. Right. Um, into the school system. Uh, and clearly when you think about it in an international context, you have the local students and then, of course, you also have expat students. And then you have the expat staff and the local staff. And like in this place where you are in one of them, you have the Chinese canteen and you have your cafe. And it is busy. I mean, it really is. We couldn't do this podcast in there because it probably gets too noisy. Um, Depends on the time. But yeah. On the time. <laughs> um, and so, it, but one case study I wanted to ask you about was you opened one up in a, just a Chinese school, didn't yes. you? And so just juxtapose that in terms of how it worked, because obviously the Chinese students in this international setting love the stuff yes and always want to come to creation and, and have whatever there is there that's right whereas and it, what, what happened in the in the actual just chinese uh school yeah so we we had a, a third school store last year that we shut down um and yeah it's, it's i you know give you give you a hundred bucks if you could answer that question for me I, I really don't know i think that a lot of it had to do with the economic situation of the students the the two international mm-hmm. schools were at um, because actually the tuition is, is not cheap yeah. at these international schools. It means that, that the students tend to have some pocket money, um, whereas I think in the Chinese school we were at, it was mostly subsidized students who were there uh, purely based on uh, the, the city paying for them to, to go to a private school, mm-hmm. so they didn't have the, the, the spending power. As, as the students in an international school. I think that played a large part of it. And um, yeah, I think that the international school setting is more appropriate for our type of business because those mm-hmm. students are kind of more outward looking. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, at, at our Dulwich store, I think 90 something percent of the graduates go abroad to study. So with that in mind, I think that, uh, I think somehow our, our store actually benefits them more than just you know the the sandwich or the salad they're getting there i think that they're they get an experience mm. uh of of being in a foreign country ordering foreign food um and i think i think it grows on them and they like it so i think that's why we've done better in our international stores yeah 
Um, if we take that a little bit further then, these international students as well, we, a lot of teaching we talk about, especially of English language learners, uh, accessing the background knowledge of the student before you teach a particular class. And you'd probably say in a normal Chinese public school, compared to, say, somewhere like a Dulwich, the background knowledge, the experience already in the student for things like sandwiches, milkshakes, um, that type of thing, is actually a lot more um, than in a, a public student. For example, I, I'd, like, I'd just wonder, and I'm sure you know this, if you take a, a study of 100 of those students in the Chinese public school and 100 in the international school, the percentage of those that have been away on holiday in the summer to Paris or sure. to New York, yeah. is this, I mean, the, it would be a lot different, wouldn't Huge, you think? Yeah. And I think, again, that feeds into the, when they walk past and see the doors of creation, there's a, there's a knowledge, there's a background that right. that's in the, right. yeah. So. I think we... At, at Can I our, have my hundred dollars, please? Well, after <laughs> well I, I think that you know <laughs> you didn't we think about that one. <laughs> that that uh, that kind of ties into the fact yeah. that that they're that they're they're looking abroad and they're looking. Yeah. Out. You know, we we kind of got desperate at one point at, in our in our Chinese school when we started selling like you know noodles and things oh, that right. we, okay. that we really, had never yeah. even made or sold before. Yeah. And in, in order to try to attract some of these students, and I, and it still didn't work. So yeah, I think I think that. We kind of found our niche, yep. uh, and, and, it's, and it's working for us now. It is indeed, and let's move forward then with this, because what's the plan as the, the head of creation for the future? What, what, what do you see, where would you like to go, if you know, we could magic wand here, where, where would you like to be in a few years' time with creation? You know, I, I think that um, when I first started creation many years ago, my, my vision was, hey, we can... Just the, I think kind of the American way of thinking really was, hey, I, let's make a brand. Let's, yeah. you know, let's let's expand. Let's try Fra to franchise, franchise, or, yeah. let's things like that. But uh, looking back at it, I think that that wasn't the right idea at the first. I think that it's better to find something, find a, find somewhere where you fit in and works uh, and, and grow and make sure people around you are happy and is satisfied with with you being there and it's a mutually beneficial situation um, and then if there's an opportunity to expand then great uh, and I think that that's kind of what I've learned is that I'd rather make sure that these two stores that we have now are 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 being well maintained and and the people that are the customers and the students and the teachers that are going there are are happy with us and then if other doors open up and we're able to maybe go to one of the new schools coming to our city, then great. Uh, if not, then then we'll just uh, we'll see how long we can we can let this streak run. Yeah. So in a way, if I hear you rightly, you're sort of taking the more from the beginning when it was that bash bash, you know, let's get a thousand of these around China. Right. Um, do the whole Kentucky Fried Chicken, McDonald's, Starbucks, <laughs> whatever thing. Right. Let's take the more slower approach and see uh, when the time is right, uh, the wind will take us, yeah? Right. Which is an interesting philosophy, I think, for most of us, actually. Um, so that that's really interesting. I think also, if you look at the franchise business around the world, especially in China, really, the only ones that franchise up are the crappy unhealthy food restaurants because in a way you really need a systemized approach to making that food it doesn't really contain uh, elements of the ability to have fresh 
uh, creative, what I would call health-focused stuff, because that takes a real, a lot more holistic look at how to put a menu together. And so I think, you know, the McDonald's and the Starbucks have right. that, you know, it's a flat pack business. It, it doesn't take much to train up the mm-hmm. service staff to press some buttons and, right. you know, you don't even have to take it to the table if someone comes right. to you. So I, I wonder, actually, just thinking about it, because you, you're a healthy guy. Try to and, be. <laughs> and I've seen creation over the years get healthier. I mean, I've, I mean, I've always said that I think you could do a brilliant green creation brand where it is just full health. And then you'll probably mm-hmm. say, well, the stats and the market out there don't want it at the moment. You're probably right, right. especially in Zhuhai. We're not in Shanghai where you can get green smoothies on, on every corner That's now. Right. That's right. And so, but I don't know any, Nav, any health-focused, fully health-focused restaurant that's actually franchised at the moment around the world. I, uh, for the very reason, I think it can't California be... Re- California has them but around the world because you need the supply <laughs> right. of fresh you know it's almost like like you said you've got to have the community it's got to be more than just yeah. whacking out food I think there has to be general knowledge of what's healthy too right I think that for me personally for example I've toned down my meat consumption by like 95% in the last year um, and I think that there's a lot of misconceptions of, of just that idea that you need a lot of meat to, yeah. to be healthy and where's you know where are you getting your protein um, and I think that I, I even had those misconceptions for a while so I think that it's an education process and um, I think the states and particularly California where we're from is tends to be ahead in terms of that healthy concept and I'd love to see creation go in that direction we like you said we we have improved over mm. time and we do have some healthy options and some vegetarian options. So, uh, yeah, I, I hope we can continue to, to go in that direction. And I hope people respond. I hope people opt for the, you know, the healthy um, sandwiches or salads rather than, you know, the deep fried uh, fries or something like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it really, wonderful story. We could talk for hours. Um, I'm sure most listeners probably won't want me to. <laughs> I just not wanted to listen to me for an hour. But your story is brilliant. Do you have a website or anything for... For creation or anything like that, or you, we you, got blocked. We <laughs> got blocked. Okay, I, I don't understand in the pipes why. or in the okay on the okay on no, the no no. I yeah. mean, we I think we were with a host uh, a host that somehow was um was universally blocked somehow. So uh, our our site went down and and I haven't uh, actually found a a local host for it yet. Okay, well, just going back on the vegetarian stuff because it's sure. great you're eating a lot more vegetarian food. Because, you know, that's just, I mean, I'm full on for that. Well, you inspired me, Chris. You know, you, you were. Well, there you go. You've been doing it for years. There right? you go. Um, but, but, you know, I do say to people, you don't have to be extreme. Uh, you know, no. I think, uh, what's the word I use? Flexitarian and just cut down a little sure, bit on it. Sure, sure. Um, but uh, my son, I remember, because he gets a creation meal every Tuesday. You know, the, the, this is another great thing. The kids love having creation meal sometimes and like in qsi the other school right you, they have it and they book it in and it's all kind of special but he used to come back to me and i said yeah i didn't i don't even think i did he ask you once it, it was like do you have a vegetarian um yeah, meal? me <laughs> there yeah. are options meatless yeah. options yeah you evolve don't you and it's right. just with the demand and right and 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 things like that wonderful stuff um now to bring this to a close i just want to finish on the teaching element because sure. i wonder if it can link into the entrepreneurial element when you were teaching doing your kindergarten and you haven't really taught afterwards have you in a sense of in a school no but of no. Course, obviously you've done teaching training with your staff and and things like that in the right. places and, right. and that's been a, a challenge i'm sure sure what has been the biggest challenge i want to see the link in kindergarten 
that you found as a teacher and does that in a way link into the same sort of kind of challenge that you've had to do doing that kind of stuff in in your business that's a good question i think that there's a lot of a lot of things that cross over in terms of challenges teaching and challenges in in uh in businesses as well you know just like everything in life you, you, things take a lot of repetition mm. and a lot of you know you think you've accomplished something for mm. let's just say and i remember we would do uh, lessons and we'd choose themes in our school mm. uh, when I was teachers and say okay right now is our is our fruits theme yeah. so we go through fruits and we you know we we make sure that everybody in the class you know knows an apple and it's called an apple um, and then you know a few months go by and then you realize that hey uh, what happened mm. you hold up the apple card just to kind of review and, and, and a lot of them have forgotten and I think that 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 kind of concept actually happens in business mm-hmm. as well, where where you you think that you've I've established the recipe for my 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 Mediterranean salad, yeah. and my my staff know <laughs> how to make it, and and it, it's very clear. But then you know I go back and I realize that uh, they substituted you know grapes for the cucumbers or something like that. So so I think that uh, I think that what I really kind of have taken back is that you do have to review, you do have to go back. You do have to to revisit things quite often. Can we? Can I say the word reflect? Reflect. Actually, that's an excellent. <laughs> a big buzzword in teaching at the moment. E- yeah. Excellent choice of words. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's smashing. I, it, it just it's wonderful how the paths cross and, and and things like that. So, listen, anyone listening now who's in a Dulwich or an international school who just pines for a good cup of coffee or a cupcake or a ciabatta or a nice green salad. Um, Nav and what he's doing in creation is 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 something to look at I think and uh, I really hope I wish you the best of success with this um, and I hope you can take it Thank uh, you. to other schools because I do think you found your niche and I've seen it working uh, for sure on the ground level um, if anyone wants to get in touch with you what's the best way obviously they can't go to the website could we leave an email or sure something like sure that? you can uh, uh... I'll give you my email address. Should I say it or yeah, we'll put it? We'll put it in the in the show notes. Okay. And um, and people can go from there. So yeah, thanks for coming on. I appreciate thanks it. Thanks for having me. This is China Jedi. All right, episode twenty nine. If you enjoy listening to the China Jedi podcast and want to get involved. Either by asking a question, expressing your opinion, good or bad, light or dark, or even appearing as a special guest, then get in touch by emailing our team at info at chinajedi.com. That's info at chinajedi.com. May the smile be with you.